Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm Alex Asher, your co-host, and today I'm going to be talking to a good friend of mine, Rob O'Shockelsey. Rob is quite an extraordinary human. He's had a business and startup in the language education space. He really understands language technology, but actually more recently, he's becoming a real expert, and you'll see some of his videos on his LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram, but he's really becoming a go-to for product leaders that are looking and under, trying to understand AI and particularly this idea of like extended reality or AR and VR related content. And I thought that Rob was the right person to talk us through a particular topic that I know a lot of us are thinking about. And that is, and I'm going to use a brand name Midjourney, but it could be any AI generated imagery software, but we're going to be really talking about really why you should care about Midjourney, what it can offer you and how you can use it to really ramp up and improve your own marketing efforts. So thanks very much for joining us today, Rob. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for the great introduction. And I'm also <laughs> super impressed by what you guys have done with LearnCube on the product side, watching it evolve over the years to be something that's really quite impressive. So kudos. Thank you very much, Rob. Rob, we're, this is, I think, was in such a unique time in history, and I'm just so fascinated in this space. We've previously talked about ChatGPT on the Get More Students podcast and kind of got into the text-based generative text, and that could impact content. Now, when we're talking about image generation now, AI image generation, you can see a number of different use cases for this. And if you're listening to the show, you're kind of like, okay, why do I care about generating images? Maybe we kind of just talk about all of the different ways, really, that this could be either impacting or, or helping a, let's call it a, a language company owner or a marketer or somebody that has a stake and decision-making part in these businesses. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the biggest effect that generative AI, both in the text sense and the image sense, the biggest areas it's hitting is marketing, particularly if, you, if you're looking at ChatGPT and large language models, it's ideal for pumping out content. And as marketeers, your goal really is to do the most that you can with the least amount of time. So this is why these are these are key. So I think you've probably focused a lot on ChatGPT and other tools. Other ones that I quickly recommend might be Sonic, very good for creating copy marketing. And another good one to have open in your browser all times is Monica, which is really good for summarizing articles and summarizing videos and things like that. But I think what's good to focus on is maybe more the, you know, the image generation tools and, and how that affects us as, you know, marketeers trying to differentiate ourselves. So I think some of the, of the key ways to understand what's actually happening right now. I could give you a very quick introduction. So it feels like image generation and generative AI has really just come up out of nowhere in the last six months. And that's because it has, well, it's kind of existed in different formats for a very long time, but it's actually only become very useful in the last six months. If you look back at different versions of Midjourney and another tool called Stable Diffusion, kind of images that it put out really weren't of that high quality. So everybody ignored it as a bit of a toy. But round about maybe uh, June last year and into November onwards, we started to see some really high quality images being put out. And at this stage, we're at version 5.1 of Midjourney. 
Many people, even the experts, can't really differentiate between what's a real photograph and what's not. So it's really hit people all at once. And I think everyone is trying to get a, a grip on what the technology is and, and how they can use it. That was certainly my experience as well, Rob. I remember I wrote an article for the LearnQ blog about AI and how ChatGPT was really starting to have an impact. And I was using the DALI 2, which is a product of OpenAI, the, the owner of ChatGPT. And I was using DALI, DALI 2 and I was like, I mean, I can't really use this image really. You know, like the, there was kind of weird wonky text. There was kind of weird faces. You know, I might get, I kind of got lucky with a, with a few, but it, it really felt like very hit and miss. And it's so weird to have a technology that like three months later, I'm like, absolutely can use that for, you know, for my blogs or for my marketing. And I'd be happy and proud to do that. And in fact, I, I think that's one of the things that is kind of the fascinating thing about this is it's not just a really cost-effective tool. Something like Midjourney, if you even want the pro version is something like, I don't know, is it $14, $15 a month? It, it's it's on the yeah. lunch side when you think about what you can create. And it's not just the fact that it's not particularly expensive to create these generate these images, but you can create really unique images what what are the kind of areas that you think this could you know play a part in or like why would somebody care about that yeah so if you think about traditionally what you'd have to do i guess most people would look at a stock photography website like isoc photo or pexels mm -hmm. or something like that and you'll search through and you'll find maybe something that's quite generic. I think we've all seen a thousand variations of man in business suit <laughs> in whatever different scenario or people learning in a classroom. And that's great. But with the advent of these kind of tools, we can get very specific. So let's say you're marketing to a particular demographic. Maybe it's the Philippines or somewhere like that. Instead of having generic white Caucasian male in a business suit, you might decide to have a classroom of, 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 of students from the Philippines or the, the tutor might be, you know, of Asian origin instead of being Caucasian or whatever other market that you're aiming for. So first yeah. up, it gets to be quite unique. You can also set the settings to make sure that, you know, the building, the environment is actually more suited to the, the market that you're trying to target within, within reason. And just to go back to something you said about hit and miss, it, it's a good point to make. You need to have and uh, understand the trade-off between quickly grabbing a stock photography image or getting to know and play with the prompts in mid-journey. Oftentimes when you put in a prompt, you're not going to get exactly what you're looking for. And you need to put in a couple of variations before you get what you want. So you need to trade off in your mind how much time I'm going to spend generating to find the right image and what kind of an image is good enough compared to what you might do with stock photography. So I'm not suggesting that you suddenly replace your entire workflow with a tool like Midjourney. But when you're looking for something, as we said, unique or bespoke or something that you want to brand slightly in your own way, Midjourney can be a great tool. And, and I guess the last point on uniqueness and something I've started doing more recently for presentations that I do, let's say your brand has an accent color. Maybe it's like in the case of LearnQ, 
few bits of orange and a blue. I can actually apply subtle accents to the stock photography, the background or the setting so that your brand is consistently represented. And now instead of having stock photos from you know, three different photographers in different scenarios that don't create a good story together, you can add your own accent, use your own particular actor or actress within, within the images that is consistent throughout. And you've generated something then that's even more unique again. That is so good. I hadn't really thought about that, but I've used stock photography, you know, a lot, you know, in a blog, you kind of, you still, you know, people want an image. They want something to break up the eye, particularly large bodies of text. You need something there. And what I've found is, I've tried to go for, for example, in the Cube case, I've always tried to go on for photography. We're all about human to human connection. So it was all about trying to provide you know, really good quality images. But then the actor or the, the person was always different. And, and there never seemed to be any kind of consistency there. The idea of coloring plus having possibly the same person almost conduct any kind. It's like having your own model there on demand at any and call that's pretty fascinating and so if i'm right you would be able to yeah you could somehow like use that same i mean even i could use myself if i really wanted to somehow right is there a way to actually even put my and i won't go into the details too far but if it's not there already i, I think this idea of like using images as prompts is a possibility correct yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, a, a recent presentation I did, I actually, I did exactly that. I used myself. So I used Discord to create images based around the themes of the presentation. And maybe there was maybe six or seven slides and I had some imagery mixed in there. I used the different accenting of the colors of my own brand to indicate con con continuity. But then I swapped in my own face uh, on the generated images. No, it's not perfect, but for the purpose of my presentation, it it, it was it, it worked very well. And you'll also kind of think in the scenario of a big brand or when you're putting out particular content and you don't need to know who that particular actor is, people aren't even going to notice that it's not perfect because they don't know who that person is, but you've got your representation of that consistent actor running through your content it makes it look like you had the budget to go out and do an entire <laughs> shoot across multiple countries in multiple scenarios with the same actor something you know only a large, a large agency can afford i just think how important that can be though because I, I think one of the things i've sort of struggled with my own image use is because i'm using it what i whatever i can find that doesn't feel too like overly stock photo there's no kind of yeah as you say sort of brand story and i can't i I'm immediately know that that is for example a learn cube image whereas what we can now do is like create your own like that's now another form of branding just as we use colors you mentioned coloring to kind of provide accents we use our logo we use kind of maybe fonts and now imagery and maybe even the actresses or or the style is now going to be the new form of this is also brand. I think you see that in big brands, like they've had that forever, but they've been able to afford that. But now a small brand could realistically have a much more consistent brand profile. Yeah, absolutely. You look at how the big brands do it, like Nike or Balenciaga. I mean, you can look at some of their images without seeing the, the logo and just know where that came from. And color theory has been used in, in movies and films and branding and advertisements 
for for like the last 20 or 30 years once you understand color theory and how it's applied you're never going to look at another advertisement the same you're going to see this <laughs> branding pass through i mean red bull do this fantastically as well and a lot of stuff that they do but yeah now it's it's accessible now it is there, there are some tricks to getting it done but after being in this space for a year and looking at it and seeing how quickly it's advancing yeah i had to use a lot of hacks and tools to achieve what i wanted in the earlier stages but now with the likes of Photoshop and Firefly and other tools that are coming along, it's really going to be just an extra tag or, or or slider that you're going to use in the interface to say, you know, add these colors, do this, do all the things that I'm talking about. But it's worth starting to play with these things now to understand them and, and get a feel for how you can apply them so that you're ready because the fundamentals are going to be the same. I agree. I've been sort of... And I've had other people, you know, I've, I've been able to do some talks on on AI and kind of what, what's happening and how that impacts the language space. And there's a kind of question of like, do I invest now? Oh, prompt engineering, is that even going to be a thing in 12 months? Possibly, but possibly not. But either way, it just feels like if you're not playing with this, you're kind of going to be really behind the eight ball by the time things really get rolled out. And also you kind of get used to not using them. And so you kind of miss out on this whole kind of raft of learning. So I definitely agree with that with that particular point. I, I'm wondering, a lot of people might not have even seen or played with MidJourney, and maybe we could kind of do that together as a way of demonstrating how it works. And I think one thing I'm going to pin is Discord for me is incredibly difficult to get my head around. I've, I've used, you know, I use ChatGPT on a, on a daily basis. Discord is, and that, that user interface is really good. If let's bring up Discord, it, it really does feel like you almost need some kind of user manual or somebody just to guide you. Maybe we could do that for our, our listeners here. So just to get your head around it, the, the, the strange way that you actually access MidJourney is through a tool called Discord. If you're a teenager, particularly a teenage boy, you know what Discord is. And if you're into Web3 or blockchain, you know what you know what Discord is. So basically, it's like a community tool. Think of it as a massive chat room where you can go in, you can pick certain topics or join a server, and then everybody talks about things. So it's like a WhatsApp group, but it was designed particularly for gamers to be able to communicate while they're playing games or for people to talk about different topics. So what you need to do is, and I have a tutorial on this on my YouTube. I'll give you the link as well. You sign up to Discord. And then you need to sign up to MidJourney separately. And then you invite MidJourney to your Discord server. It, it's, it sounds complicated, but the tutorial I've done makes it you know, quite straightforward. So once you're in there, you can go into one of the newbie rooms and then just start making requests. I've got my own channel here so that we're not, we, we don't have to deal with loads of other people dropping stuff into the same chat. So. <laughs> That was my experience in particular, Rob, is particularly when yeah. you join one of those rooms, there's so much information you can't really understand anything. So just to clarify, you can create your own, so they, they call it a channel, you could create your own channel and then you don't have any of the noise. You can make, you can ask for your image to be created without all of the extra noise. Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Once you've signed up, now you do need to pay the minimum amount, which might be anything okay. between $5 up to $20. Mm -hmm. Once you've signed up, you can basically create your own channel I have one here, and then I just add the mid-journey bot, and the mid-journey bot is just like adding any kind of a chat bot into the into the 
into the channel. And once I'm there, then if I hit slash in the text box, mm -hmm. it gives me all these different kind of options. And the only one you really need to know is the imagine prompt. Mm -hmm. So let's say we could say, I'm going to say Asian male in his 30s teaching a classroom of students as a basic. Would you normally start with a, a basic, fairly general prompt, Rob? Or would you immediately try and flesh that out, like how many people you want in the room or that kind of thing? Or do, you, do you quite like to use it almost like a layering effect and you just kind of see if it kind of figures out more or less what you want and then go from there? Yeah, it's kind of, it, it becomes an art after a while. You get to know what you're going to get output by trying a few different prompts but sometimes you just got to go with the basic because you'll be surprised what the tool can push out for you and you'll be surprised how it understands what you're saying so it actually has a large language model underneath which is understanding what you're typing out now there's a lot of different variations that you can add to this mm -hmm. there's different ways you can set the importance you can use seeds everything that's kind of beyond the scope of, of this conversation, but you could check out one of the tutorials or look at the mid-journey documentation. But what you get basically is it's going to roll these four different types of images. So in this case, it went for some a kind of a style that I would say maybe is something you might see out of the 50s or 60s informational <laughs> brochure. So the next thing, you want to do is you want to start to add your own style or look what you're looking for. So let's say I want something photorealistic. I might, I might take that same prompt. Mm -hmm. Let's just say any kind of a man, man yeah. is 30s at a whiteboard maybe. Yeah. And then we want to, let's try to make it photorealistic. Yeah. Do we need to say anything? I mean, again, the the style that was shown initially was, as you say, quite 1950s with 30 people in the room. Do you kind of want to make it seem, you know, maybe a small, like how would you kind of prompt it so that it had the optimum number of people or the kinds of people that you want? And I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Yeah, so that's about understanding the limitations of what you can, what you can put out. So mm -hmm. sometimes I'll know that I'm not going to really create a crowd of people. Yeah. Like that's why I said, let's make them at the whiteboard. Maybe we yeah. want that he's on his own. If you're asking for more than a couple of people together, what you'll find is their expressions and faces are quite similar. And you can't, if I say I want maybe 20 people in the room, it might focus on the 20 people. It won't focus on the main character anymore. Maybe you'll want to weight it heavily. You can do this thing where you hit in like a, a double a, a double colon and you can wait to say, I want to put more emphasis on the, the, the man standing at the top of the room rather than the rest of the class. So what I've done here is I've made some little changes. I've no idea if this is going to work in this scenario, but I've said, OK, I want a Canon camera, 50 millimeter lens, stock photography style. And, you know, we can see what kind of comes out of, of this one. So while that's, while that's brewing, we can kind of take a look at some other prompts. So basically, in this other presentation I was doing, I mentioned that my color scheme is a mix of cyan, cyan and, and yellow. 
So in this case, I was like, man in his 30s, dark hair, playing futuristic chess game. So I wanted a, an image that would indicate strategy. Mm -hmm. And I'm adding in those accents. So you can see how all these images that I've generated here are starting to have the same color tone. So that's what we we're talking about, you know, having a brand that like worked the same. And you can also see how many variations it took me to get the image that I wanted. I said, I just want strategy and planning. And that gave me the idea, okay, chess is a good indication. So maybe now I want a robot playing chess. Not, not exactly what I want. And then I was able to put in a, like a, a human. So as an example here, let's take maybe this character. What we can do is once we've decided we like one of these, mm -hmm. we can click. What we do is we upscale one. So we upscale number one. So you see this one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. So you can either get another version of those or you can upscale. So let's pick upscale one. So what is the V2? Is v so that so this is only referring to the ones that are already there. If you click V2 yeah. or V3, is that when you are actually asking Midjourney to create a new, a second version? It's asking, it's going to give you four more options based on the number that you pick. So if I want, oh. I like this one, but I want to maybe see if there's other variations, I would click V4 and that will give Got me it. four more options for, for that one. So if we look ah, down here, yes. now I get it. Now we've got, this image is upscaled. Now I might want to, okay, so cool here. We've got the- Oh, these are great. Now, so we're starting <laughs> to see something a little bit you know, better, maybe something like this. Now we've got different kinds of tones going on here. So we might need to swap up the tones. So one thing I, I recommend looking at some of the prompt example sites. So if you go to mid journey and you look at the style options, it's, it's going to give you lots of different examples of the type of style that you might look for. So in this case, you know, this is still pretty, not as realistic as I might want it or lacking color. Go to the Midjourney site or another site called Lexica, and you'll see all the prompts and the images that people use or the prompts that people use to get that particular image. And once you find an image that you like the style of, you can go down then and type that prompt in and maybe it might say okay it could be a 3d render that you're looking for it could be a particular japanese art style a type of camera lens you've got different shots that you want to take you want a mid shot a long shot or sorry a wide shot a close-up close-up to face you might say i want the actor looking directly at the camera all of these are like little subtle things that you start to get to you you start to get to know so another cool thing we can do, let's take this image here, and I kind of like the one in the bottom here. We'll call this we'll upscale version four. And you always upscale the one that you want before you create further versions of that? Or if you clicked the V4, would that, what would that do? If I click V4, I'll get more variations on that one. So okay. we'll see what we get. That'll take a couple but of seconds. But you wanted the upscale version. just, And that would be the one that you might put on your actual website or use. Yeah, yeah. Now, you can also take these and put them through another upscaling tool. Generally, this is fine for web, the type of resolution you get here. But you can find upscalers online for free that you just drop them in, and they'll upscale the resolution to make them much higher. So now we've seen we've got it's still running. So you can just see here it's telling you that. I mean, this is very quick though. Just this is all real yeah. time that we're talking right now. So this is literally in seconds. Where I actually again, I think if we tried this even a few months ago, I'm sure that we would probably have a, a longer wait time on this. So yeah, it's absolutely. really getting quick. 
Now you could, let's say you're, you, you've got a good actor here and, 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 it, and it works for you, but you don't like the background. Another tool like Stable Diffusion, or to be honest, I'd recommend Photoshop's Firefly. You could take this image, drop it in, and then basically start selecting the background and say, okay, replace this with a classroom Amazing. or replace this with, with something else. So I think Midjourney is the best tool for getting and creating scenarios that never existed and creating actors and actresses that look real and giving you the kind of inspiration. But you'll find that you're not exactly getting exactly what you want. So you want to bring it then into something like Photoshop, which allows you then using the new generative AI fill features to select the subject and then replace the background. Maybe you want to replace the, the clothes that he's wearing with something else. Or another workflow is if you found some stock photography that you really liked online, but it doesn't have the right character in it or you want something else changed, you can amend it to be more specific to what you're looking for. So two different approaches to the workflow. I mean, this is expanding all the time, but as you said, playing with these tools and getting to know them. So one other thing I can do that you can't do in Photoshop, and this is unique, is I have a tool here called Insight Face Swapper. So I can go here to Apps, I have another tutorial on this as well. It's it's called Face Swap. It's worth taking a look at. But I can now swap out my face with this one. I've either got I've got a couple of different faces, so I think it, it should be the right one. Yeah, fascinating. It definitely shows how you could possibly create both consistency, but almost a, a closest to an authentic image. Uh, absolutely i mean yeah it's a, and as you said it's about just understanding the tools and playing around with it uh, another great thing that's like so here <laughs> is <laughs> it's so good <laughs> I, I don't think i would look good with a with a with a smay but you you get the picture i, mean, I get the, have, i get the picture type of actor so what i would do if i wanted to get this spot on it is i would say generate a male late and early 40s dark hair and that would form a good base for me to like swap my face in. Obviously I don't match well to this character, but if you look at some other ones I would have generated and I've got some funny ones on my Instagram, you can see here, I'm swapping in my face here in these scenarios. So good. And uh, let's see, don't have any other good examples there, but yeah, just, I, I think yeah. this is a really great example of how it, I think in the past, almost if you think about the amount of time you would spend going through stock photos and trying to find the right one, it's kind of the same amount of time, if, if not slightly faster with this, but you're getting what you want and you're making it unique. And I think this is where stock photos, I think are probably going to go, you know, particularly because these are so photorealistic. It's, it just wouldn't make, I just don't think it's going to make as much sense to be using stock photos since often you see them with different brands. You know, I've seen the yeah. same woman looking into a an online classroom waving her hand uh, in several yes. different brands and it's, it's almost uh, it almost becomes a, a meme within the industry it does and to be honest even what we're seeing here like i can still now tell this is you know this is this is generated or it's got the style of generated but in the recent versions 5.1 onwards i've been looking at some good prompt experts and what they're putting out and I cannot tell the difference between a real photograph and what they're putting out. So I can still tell with this one, but with some with some subtle prompt changes, it's indistinguishable. And considering like 
how fast this is moving. In the next couple of months, no one is going to tell the difference. In fact, it's probably one of the big darker sides of what this is. We're already seeing this being used in a lot of nefarious ways to like fake certain scenarios. So that's, you know, this is the dark side of what we're seeing. I agree. I, I think this can be really helpful as a marketer, but it is well worth kind of acknowledging the, the challenges that AI is, is just providing to society. And I think you could almost have a whole conversation on that. To stay on, on this particular topic, and since we've really kind of, I think, covered a number of really good points, we've understood mid-journey. Mid-journey, is, is mid-journey own Discord or is it at least associated? No, Discord is a, is a huge company. Mid-journey, this is amazing, has something like 11 employees. Yeah. For the size of company that it is, it, it's incredible. So... So yeah, they're, they're their own little company that are just kind of been plotting away. The, the yeah. level of quality they've reached is incredible. Another tool yeah. to think about is Leonardo.ai. So yeah. it's it, it, it offers a lot of the functionality that Photoshop might offer. And what you get with Leonardo is the, the quality of the imagery is still slightly stylized. It's not as photo real as you might want. But it's very cool for creative applications, logo generation, different things like that. And that's one thing we didn't really touch on. So it's not just stock photography here. You can use this for background creation, for any kind of like stylized imagery that you might want to add to your to your website. It's, it's pretty cool. Fascinating. Um, so we've kind of gone through also quite a few tips. We've, we've really discussed how it is, why it's going to impact, particularly in marketing. I think this could be interesting as well for content generators in language education. When you think of like content as being something that, you know, if we can get the text right, can we also get the imagery to go with and kind of back up that particular text? It kind of makes sense that you could create some really high quality content materials with that are very visual and interesting, much more so than the clip art days of whatever might be on, on Google for free. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I hadn't even thought about that in terms of like of, of applying to the language market, but for like your learning materials and different things like that. I mean, like immersion is a huge part of learning any language mm -hmm. um, as you're creating your content and your materials, making them fun by like creating different scenarios like Parisian streets or, yeah. um, you know, business centers or whatever else that you want to create that's relevant. You can create I hate to keep pointing back to my YouTube channel, but I I I did a I did a, a a video on how you might create a whole story based around using ChatGPT to create the story, and then you actually can create the whole imagery of a story that goes with it. So you can imagine applying that to some kind of scenario creation, like meeting in a cafe or something like that. You could start off with yeah. this actor. This is this is John. He's meeting yeah. you for a job interview. Here, let's put John, let's generate 10 images of the... Got the it, and then you've scenario. got your storyboard, right? And then I can add in John's face to each yeah. one of the of the different images. Because the problem with these images being generated is they end up being very different each time. So what you can do is just generate generally the same kind of Caucasian male and then swap in the face so you have continuity as it runs through the, the whole story. So, so that's actually a pretty cool use case, Alex. Yeah, I, I think we're still going to see a lot of people sort of play around with this new technology and, and figure it out. If we let's we'll stop sh sharing our screen for the moment, but I, I think maybe the last point to, to finish on is 
anywhere you think this is going to go, anything that you have for, I mean, this is, I don't even think, what, we're like eight months now since ChatGPT launched? I mean, it's not even one year. What what yeah. are you, you, you've been pretty good at, at predicting, at least kind of being aware of what the, the tailwinds of this technology are. What are you expecting this year? Are we expecting more evolution, more improvements, or should we be kind of seeing this sort of, this amazing progress start to to flatten off this year i'm by no means like an expert in what's coming next from open ai but i do understand the basics of of how these models are being put together and how they're achieved my feeling is that we we're, we're kind of hitting a plateau at the moment yeah. so a lot of the power that we've gotten right now which gpt4 Midjourney and other tools is is kind of at this plateau point where it's it's really amazed us but it's really gotten to a high level of value and now it's going to increment slightly. Now that's not accounting for different applications of how generative AI might work. So we're talking about right now how it's worked up until now, but that's what happened before generative AI came along. We looked at machine learning, reinforcement learning and all different kinds of generative models. Um, what happened back in 2017 with this new neural architecture that Google Brain came out allowed all this to happen. And it bounced ahead with a load of training that was done by OpenAI and investment from Microsoft. So what I'm super excited about is multimodal AI. And, and that's pretty much applying both images, text, speech, language generation, movement, all of these things together, what we're going to see is people are going to take all these models and papers that are being released by different groups and amalgamating them together to create really cool things. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see big jumps. And I think they could be coming quite soon. It's a problem to keep up with all the stuff that's happening. In terms of language learning and education, I think it's it's incredible. I think what we're going to see is if you look at the likes of what Google are putting out, they're, they're having translation engines that are suddenly learning whole new languages without even being asked to do that. Now, that's powerful and scary at the same time. I don't use, I, I'm learning Irish at the moment, like Gaelic Irish, and there's not many good models out there for what I want. Google Translate works well, but I want it in my ear via Siri. So I hooked up Siri to ChatGPT. Instead of asking Siri, hey, what's the translation for this thing I see in front of me? I have a shortcut that goes straight to ChatGPT and it will give me a translation in Irish Gaelic for you know whatever I want to ask it for. And I can't get that from Siri right now. So that, that's powerful. I think there's more applications than we can cover. Maybe it'll be another podcast for how I see this playing out with, with, you know, language tech, but yeah, it's interesting, but I still think at the core of it, you need, you need actual, you need tutors, all this kind of tools, all these kind of things that are going to come along are going to be co-pilots for the main educational experience, talking one-on-one -on -one with a person, but you'll have extra co-pilots beside you that will help you along. Yeah, I definitely agree that we're just figuring this stuff out. I, I think we're we're already seeing like the the raw kind of technology, but maybe no one's hasn't had enough time to kind of productize this in a, in a really kind of professional, cohesive way. So I, I think there's going to be a lot in the user interface as well that's going to improve a lot. That's probably one easy way that I think is going to massively improve over this next year. So it'll be great to see more of these products, certainly a lot more uh, easy 
to, to use and to make the most of. So look, thank you so much for, for joining us today, Rob. I was wanting to just shout out to you about where people can, can find you. What are the best ways? Uh, the best educational content would be on YouTube. So it's YouTube at Rob Shocks. And then I'm also on Twitter, on Instagram, <laughs> on every other medium, medium you can think of. It's the same. It's just at Rob Shocks. And, and that's just wanna... spelled R-O-B-S-H-O-C-K-S, the normal spelling. Yeah, the normal yeah. the normal spelling. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff and you want to keep track of kind of what's happening, tangentially I do stuff around extended reality as well. I think that has large applications for language learning. So it could be good to follow to get a, an idea of what's happening there too. Fantastic, Rob. Thank you so much for joining the, the show today. I really enjoyed it and learned a lot from you. So thanks again. And if you want to know a little more about myself, and LearnCube, you can go to www.learncube.com for our virtual classroom and online school software. In the meantime, thanks again and see you soon.